I don't refer to Stash as a challenger bank only mm -hmm. because, you know, we think that, you know, when we look at our customers, our customers make up 80% of America and they have lots and lots of problems. And what we really want to do is just be able to help our customers create wealth, build wealth for themselves. And that takes many, many shapes mm -hmm. and, and you have to approach it from lots of different angles. Banking for us is, has always been really important and we've wanted to move into banking or digital banking for years now. The main reason wasn't to have another card or another checking account in the market. It was to further be able to give advice out to our customers and be able to play a bigger role in their financial life. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Editor-in-Chief Zach Miller. Challenger Bank's stash is rooted in helping Americans invest and build wealth, $5 at a time. The company has grown a lot this year. And co-founder and CEO Brandon Krieg joins me on the podcast to update the firm's growth metrics. Stash recently won Tearsheet's Challenger Bank Award for Best Card Product for its Stockback Card, which rewards cardholders with fractional shares of companies they shop at. We talk about the growth opportunities for the firm and its decision early on to monetize its accounts via subscription fee. Lastly, we discuss Stash's relationship with Green Dot, its banking as a service provider, and what's important to get right in those types of partnerships. Brandon Krieg is our guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. My name is Brandon Krieg. I am the co-founder and CEO of Stash. Uh, prior to Stash, I've spent uh, about 15 years in financial technology, and uh, my entire career has led me uh, to want to move into direct-to-consumer uh, financial services for the mass market, and I'm very excited to be here with you today. Awesome. Glad you're here as well. And it's interesting, our, our language at Tearsheet has evolved uh, when we describe Stash. We now describe it as a challenger bank. That wasn't true when you first started. Um, can you talk about maybe that evolution into, into, I guess, core banking? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I don't refer to Stash as a challenger bank only mm -hmm. because, you know, we think that, you know, when we look at our customers, our customers make up 80% of America and they have lots and lots of problems. And what we really want to do is just be able to help our customers create wealth, build wealth for themselves. And that takes many, many shapes. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to approach it from lots of different angles. Banking for us is, has always been really important. And we've wanted to move into banking or digital banking for years now. The main reason wasn't to have another card or another checking account in the market. It was to further be able to give advice out to our customers and be able to play a bigger role in their financial life. And by being their, their banking partner, we can do a lot more. And so we're really happy that we moved into the space. Makes sense. It sounds like then it's like sort of the home base for a customer where they go to get that advice. And from there, they can do other things. Yeah. Like yeah. become an owner every time you spend, right? So mm -hmm. Stockback was always our big thing. And, you know, we want to make sure that every time you spend, you're not only learning about your, your world, the way you live your life, and but also becoming an owner every time you spend. That's very, very important to us and very, very important to our customers. So, so let's drill into Stockback now. Stockback just won last week uh, the Tearsheet Challenger Bank Award for Best Card Product. Can you tell us a little about the mechanics of how that works? Yeah, and we're so excited about that, and we're just oh, very thanks. thankful to, to, have, to have won that. And you know, for 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 Stockback, it really is about bridging the world of investing and banking. Our roots are investing, and and we think a lot about all the different parts of investing that you need to do. And one of them is investing in yourself. And by getting a reward of fractional stock every time you spend, a lot of things are happening. The first thing is you're, you're going through this 
awesome experience of discovery because you're learning that brands and companies that you interacted with all the time, you probably didn't know that you could own them. So you can you get to move from being a pure consumer and spending money to actually learning about the companies that you interact with. And so, for example, you know, if you spend on Amazon, um, like, like, unfortunately, I do, and I find boxes in front of my house every day. <laughs> um, every time that we spend, we're becoming a shareholder in Amazon. And every time I watch Netflix now, I think about how I'm an owner in Netflix. And the beautiful part of it is we use our revenue, our, uh, our revenue to pay for the stock. So for you, it's a pure reward. And we thought about that a lot when we were thinking about how to, how to do this. We started looking at the credit card business and how they do points. The problem with points, and points are good if you, you, know, if you can responsibly use a credit card and pay it off every month and not overspend. But if you're like most people who use their debit card as their primary spending vehicle, you know, credit card points expire and credit card points make you overconsume or spend more. Whereas stock hopefully never expires, right? If you're buying high quality companies, the hope is that the companies are around for a really, really long time. And hopefully the stock goes up and you can buy more. And it kind mm -hmm. of plays into the whole ecosystem of stash where you're spending because you have to spend, right? You have to buy things for yourself or pay your bills. You're becoming a shareholder, you're learning. And the data that we see is pretty incredible that nearly half of the people who get stock back go on to buy more of the stock, which is pretty incredible. And we're really proud of that. I, I like that. And I, one of the things that impressed me about stock is also is the passive nature of it. Like I'm doing these activities anyway. I'm just going through my regular life doing the spending with the companies I regularly spend at. And meanwhile, I'm building a portfolio in the background. Yeah, that's right. You're, you're building a portfolio that kind of mirrors the way that you live your life, which is really powerful. And you're not only doing, you know, you're not only building that portfolio, but now all of a sudden you're learning and you're engaging. So if you buy a, you know, you go spend at, I don't know, a company or a gas company, all of a sudden you're a shareholder, you're learning about the company through Stash's education. If they pay a dividend, you're getting dividends on the shares that you now have, and you're getting the ability to vote your shares through proxy. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, everything about that company and the company that you love becomes part of you. And what we see a lot of is it changes spending behavior, which is really cool. So if you're very loyal to a brand and all of a sudden you spend at a different company that competes and you're a shareholder, we see a lot of spend shift happen because all of a sudden, why would you go to a competitor when you're a shareholder at the company? Mm. And it's really, really cool to see that, you know, and it's, it's taking, it's really taking shape now, especially as, you know, we, we are close to 20 million stock rewards now, which is pretty wild. And it's just increasing in, in its velocity. Uh, 20 million stock rewards. That's within what a year and a half of the, of the card launch or. Yeah. Yeah. And about a year and a half. Although, you know, this year for stash has been a pretty incredible year. We've grown a lot this year. So let's talk about that. I think we're interested in hearing about the growth. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, we've been very fortunate to see Stash grow, you know, a lot over the last seven months, especially the last seven months. We've added nearly a million customers since the beginning of the year. We've seen our assets, the assets under management on the invest side, um, nearly double. We've seen, you know, well over 100% increase in bank customers using the product. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from a few things. One is that, you know, 
for our customers, when we look after the middle class, the middle class is a very, very large population. And the way the middle class looks now is much different than people may, might have saw them a long time ago. The middle class run from about a household income of about 40-ish thousand dollars up to around 100 grand. So it's a mm -hmm. big population of Americans. The problem is, is that 80% of America lives paycheck to paycheck. And so what COVID has really brought on is the reality is that people have not saved and people did not in the past build up a nest egg and people have spent too much. And what we're seeing and where you know, our brand is, has been really recognized this year by customers is that they can come to Stash and start saving and building up a Stash for themselves. And so I think that's really resonating. And the other thing that's really happened this year for not just Stash, but for a lot of digital banks is that COVID has sped up the uh, adopt the people adopting and accepting digital banking by a couple of years at least. So you don't need to go to your bank branch anymore. You could open up the Stash app and you can deposit a check, you can pay your bills, you can, you can do all the things you need to do through any other bank, except you could do it all on your phone in a, in a really delightful experience. So I think those two things have really helped us speed up our growth. And we're seeing a, a lot of growth through uh, word of mouth. So friends telling friends and organic as well. So it's been a, it's been a really interesting year, a really hard year for our customers. And we're just trying to be there to help them get through this, but also to learn, to learn that even if you put away a dollar at a time or $2 at a time, it's not our money, it's your money. And that's money that you might need one day. And if you need it for an emergency, let's get that emergency fund filled up. And let's move on to other things in your life that you need to do, like saving for retirement or putting money away for your kids. And unfortunately, unless you're rich in this country, there's not a lot of people who will give you advice and be there to help you. So, so that acceleration of, of the move to digital, we, we've heard from a lot of guests on the show. Can you talk about, um, I guess, some of the challenges and opportunities you're seeing and the growth you mentioned sounds phenomenal. Um, how has that impacted, you know, the, the organization, what it looks like growth internally? Like, can you give us, a, I guess, a flavor of that? Yeah, I mean, from, from an organization, I mean, we have uh, a really amazing team. A lot of this team has been together for a long time now. We're about 270 people. Prior to COVID, we were based in New York City and, uh, and the UK um, with the majority of people in the US. And it's changed, it, it's changed, but it hasn't. One of the things that, that has changed is now being remote, we've accepted the fact that we're gonna be a remote company. And even if you know, COVID was cured tomorrow and everything's back to normal, we're, we'll likely never move back to a full office model like we had before because COVID has allowed us to uh, hire amazing talent and remove the constraint of location because we've learned and adapted over the last, you know, called year to be a good remote company and really hone in on ways to get all of our team to communicate effectively and to work, you know, autonomously and get work done, which all drives a better product. So I think, you know, for us, it's been a transformational year in the way we work, but you know, it's, we have to evolve, right? Like all companies do. Mm -hmm. um, and we're hiring and we're definitely growing and we have a lot of open roles right now. If anyone listening <laughs> knows, wants to check out our job board, just go to stash.com and we have lots of open roles right now. And we're continuing to look for amazing people to join the team. So I also want to talk about monetization. I think you were early in monetizing the app in, in the sense that it requires a subscription fee. Um, 
Can you talk about, I guess, the evolving user openness to, to paying subscription fees in banking? Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, we started Stash almost, it's almost five years now mm-hmm. uh, that Eddie and I started it. And we, from day one, wanted to be a subscription business. Mm-hmm. So we've never not been. And I think that there was a reason for it in the early days. And it's still really important today. In the early days, we said, okay, how are we going to, we're creating a business. We want this business to be around for a really, really long time. We also need to have a business that's very stable because we are the, you know, effectively the private bank for the masses. And so we can't have a business that's, you know, like not going to work. It's not responsible or good for anybody. And so we said, if we're going to create a business like wealth management is typically constructed like, or as we would do an asset under management model, which basically the more money you have, the more you pay. A lot of businesses in the US work like that. And they charge like, I don't know, 25 basis points or a quarter of a percent mm-hmm. of your assets is charged by a fee. And when we started being realistic about what we wanted to do, there's a reality in America is that most people in this country don't have any money. So if we built a business that was based off assets, that would mean we'd have to put a lot of pressure on our customers to give us more money. And that's just didn't feel right and didn't feel aligned with what we wanted to do. And, but a subscription business is great because it's very transparent. You know how we're making money. There's nothing hidden behind the scenes and allows us to build a very pure business, which is great. And so that business has evolved and we've been uh, adding products. And as we added you know, insurance and retirement and custodial for kids and banking, we didn't wanna have to play the game of constantly selling. You know, every time you open the app to perform a normal function, we didn't want to be sitting there selling you something. Mm. So, you know, a couple of years ago, we started evolving the subscription model to expand it out to different plans. And what we have now has been there for a while now, and it works well, is uh, three different plans that you can sign up for on Stash. Each one is loaded with different value. And we let the customer choose what they want, and they can move between the plans as they want. It's been really, really great because... It gives us a business that's predictable and uh, you know, we, we understand that the business works and we can continue to scale it and grow it. And from a customer perspective, they know what they're getting and they know how we make money, which is really effective. Now, the cool thing about it is in other revenue streams that we have, for example, on the investing side, you know, if stock that you have is lent out, when we get paid for stock loan, we actually share some of that revenue back with our customers. When uh, in a world pre-COVID, when there was a, a, a really good interest rate or better than zero interest rate, we would share some of the interest revenue back with our customers. And we do it on banking. We make revenue through interchange revenue when a user spend on the card. We share some of that revenue back through stockback. So it allows us to, again, to have a pure revenue business that the customer understands, but also allows us to share some of the uh, other revenue back with the customer, which is really cool. And do you think the marginal customer who comes to Stash for the first time um, is 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 more open to paying a subscription fee now for a banking account or an yeah, investment I mean, account or a financial account? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, well, the data says that the answer is yes. I mean, we've seen incredible growth of our platform. We have, you know, well over 5 million customers now uh, who have opened accounts at Stash. We are continuing to scale each month. And, and the reality is, look, if, you, if you're not willing to pay a dollar a month for advice and education and all these financial products packaged together, that I'm perfectly fine with that. There are a lot of people who are, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that. I think that 
will continue to evolve. We have a lot of surprises and cool things we're working on. So our subscription model and all the things we're doing will likely evolve and change over time. But at the end of the day, it, it works really well and our customers like it. Got it. Um, I want to talk shift gears a little bit and talk about um, the platform itself. So Stash provides banking services, but isn't a bank. You don't have a banking license, so you work with a partner bank. Um, can you talk a little bit about that process you went through in terms of choosing a banking partner and, and how that's impacted, uh, I guess, growth in the platform? And I guess, you know, what's important to get right there in the relationship? Yeah, sure. I mean, we, we um, you know, when we did our series seed round a long time ago, we, hit, we had said we wanted to be in banking. And for us, the, the path to go to banking was really to have enough of an understanding of how to make it work. And so we, we did a lot of work with our customers and we heard a lot of things when we asked the question of, you know, would you bank with Stash? Would you, you know, contemplate it? And what do you want in a bank? And we heard a lot of things that sounded the same as we asked more and more people. One of them was, I, I, yeah, if you're just going to give me another checking account, I don't know, maybe, probably not, or maybe I'd try it out. But the things that were really positive and awesome were, I want my bank to help me. My bank... How does my bank help me live a better life? And the other thing we heard is, I really hate all the fees I pay. Now keep in mind that the average Stash customer pays about $360 a year in banking fees. But if you go ask them about banking fees, they'll tell you on average that they don't pay any fees. And then when you show them the data, they're like, oh my goodness, this is <laughs> crazy. And they hate it. And so fees, and getting more help were the two things that we, we said that we wanted to do in addition to the bridge between investing and banking. And so with that in mind, we started going out looking for a banking partner because we're not a bank. We don't have a banking charter and we don't have any plans right now to go get a banking charter. And so we needed to find a banking partner who was aligned with us on the fees and had expertise to help us focus on the things that we wanted to do, which is really hone in on the a great user experience and a great product that was way more than just another debit card, another checking account. And at the end of the day, anyone could get rid of overdraft fees and pay people two days early, like we do, and a lot of people do, but it's much different to create a product that really is around wealth creation. Mm -hmm. And it, that looks a lot different than a lot of the other challenger banks in the market, who I quite frankly, really respect. I just, I don't want to go down and do this the same way everyone else is doing it. And so we met Green Dot uh, along with a lot of other banks and, and really like Green Dot and still really, really like Green Dot. We have a great partnership and relationship with them, which is really around um, a shared vision of what we're trying to do and how we're trying to get rid of the fees. And they've been very aligned with us on that since day one. And also getting to leverage their experience, which is pretty cool. I mean, green, the team of Green Dot, especially the new leadership team, has been doing this for a really long time. And so when we get into you know really core concepts in in consumer retail banking, we get to lean on them and get a lot of help. So it's 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 really cool. It's a good relationship we have with them. I guess looking back, are the things that you wish you would have known earlier in the rollout that I guess would have would have made that relationship stronger? Or I'm not looking for bad things. I'm just looking for like retrospective, like sort of knowledge. You know, I, I love I'm a I love a good retrospective, like <laughs> like anybody. You know, it's, it's hard for me to do that. I, I think the path that we've been on, I think is the right path. You know, someone asked me the other day, like, if you had to do this again, would you have gone and tried to get a banking charter? The answer is no. 
Would I pick Green Dot still? The answer is yes. Because we had to get in the game and start playing it. Mm-hmm. Start really understanding, you know, how to build a great product. We've been only really at it for about a year and a half now. We've made so much progress. Um, and we have so many people using it now as their core banking account, which is great. But we kind of had to make the mistakes we made in our own product and, and do a lot of learning. And I, and I like the fact that we were very, with Green Dot and, and all of the, the work that they did setting up their, their BAS platform, we were very quick to get this thing up and running, which was really awesome. I'd rather be in the market with a product and start iterating it and growing mm-hmm. it than spending years building a product and not have any customers using it. That's and good so- advice. Yeah, yeah. And we have time for one last question. I'm curious, um, you know, given the growth in the platform, you know, we're, we're in Q4 now. Um, like what, what are your biggest priorities, I guess, looking out to 2021, maybe into a post COVID world, like what are, what are you from a product pipeline or from a growth standpoint? Like what do you, what are you thinking about as CEO of Stash? Yeah. I mean, strategically, a lot of what we're thinking about is just continuing to grow. I mean, we have, we have a really, really great product that people love. We have, you know, a market that's massive uh, and the customers that we focus on need a lot of help. So for us, it's really around just continuing to grow and continue, continuing to just help more people. The good news for Stash is we have tons of products. We don't need to build any crazy new product. We have all the things that our customers need. And so for us, it's just continuing to put them together in a very delightful way and reaching more people. Now, that's the focus that we're that we have now. And I don't see that changing for a while. Brandon, thanks for joining us on the Tier Sheet Podcast today. Thank you.